Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvang. I'm joined now by my co-host, Trey Wilson. Hello. And Matt Smith. Good morning. And a uh, guest star of Susie the Dog. (laughs) Our new mascot. That's right, our mascot. Although I I think we're boring her already. Yeah, she's storing away. Our one listener, already (laughs) out cold. Uh, all right, so this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the Dallas game and preview the Ottawa game coming up on Saturday night. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll kick it off with the Dallas game, but for our listeners, uh, remember we have another episode out this weekend, and that was with Lyle Richardson, where we talked about the trade deadline, so that is our deadline primer. This is just the games themselves, so be sure to check out the other episode. It... it, it it went, a while, it went a while and there was a lot covered. So check that out. And for this episode, let's start off with the game versus Dallas. So the Canadians hosted the Stars. And some stuff happened. <laughs> let's be honest. A little bit of controversy. But the game itself, um, I found that the Canadians were more than capable of keeping up with a Western style playoff team. What did you see trick? Uh, I thought Jake Allen saved them in the first period. If it wasn't for Jake Allen. This could have been a very different hockey game. Yeah. Um, but uh, once again, there's no quit in the team. Like uh, Dallas went up by a goal late in the first period. Uh, <laughs> Susie. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, much all kept coming back. Uh, you know, I think they went down three, one at one point <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I got a snoring dog. So uh, I think they went down three, one at one point and then came back to tie it to, no, they went up three, two. And was, then uh, yeah, Dallas back and died. forth, one, one, yeah, two, two. And then the controversial overtime happened and we'll get to that in a minute but uh yeah montreal's quite montreal since marty st louis took over there hasn't been a game where they haven't been in it to at least almost the end yeah so there's definitely a better compete level under st louis yeah. it seems that um they're, they're more motivated uh, clearly it shows that uh ducharme had lost the room not necessarily that his 
that he was a bad coach. It's just the players were not responding. They're responding to St. Louis. And in this game, uh, Allen returned and he played extremely well. Uh, Dvorak returned and he had it over 70% in the faceoff circle, which was huge. He even had a couple of chances. Missed the, the, he missed them, but he was there. He even made this really nice move to go cut through two defenders before he got taken down. Um, but I think this, the story of the game really is Suzuki Caulfield. Those two have been dynamic together. It's been, it's been the story since uh, St. Louis took over. Yeah. It's I been incredible. It's been incredible the way that, uh, that Caulfield is just, just, he looks like a completely different player. He looks like a guy that, uh, you know, he looks like that first round talent that they went out and they, that, uh, <laughs> that they were able to, uh, to get from the flyers. Thank you so much to Philadelphia for that. <laughs> um, but, um, but they, he looks like a totally different player. And uh, I don't remember who made the, who made the com. I was, it was, he was actually made the comment during his presser saying that, uh, you know, you, he's, he's looking like that first round talent, not a, you know, not a guy that you, you picked up in the, you know, the seventh round. Right. So everyone's seeing it. We're seeing it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a breath of fresh air for that young, for that young player. And yes, I know that the Canadians have struggled all throughout the year and statistics wise, you can't really say that they've had a strong season, but just with this resurgence of Caulfield, he's now second in team scoring. So, and, and, and before, and, and before uh, St. Louis came, came in, he had what a goal. Now he's got, now he's got a dozen. So having said that, I'll bring up some, if anyone noticed, I tweet about Caulfield and uh, Rem Pitlick a lot, especially in the rookie scoring race. Uh, so, but Suzuki under Martin St. Louis as a 1.12 point per game pace. That's in the 16 games under Martin St. Louis. Uh, that's 18 points. He's at a 0.5 goals per game. He has eight goals in 26 games. Uh, if he keeps the pace up, or sorry, eight goals in 16 games. If he keeps this pace up, he'll end up with 69 points and 28 goals. So nice. there's, 20, there's 21 games left and Suzuki's on pace to have a 70 point season. Uh, that is with the horse. Now, mind you, Suzuki's been pretty consistent most of the season. Yes, like yes. He's probably, besides Druid when he was healthy, he's probably the most consistent scorer on the Canadians. And I, I bring up Druid when he's healthy because Druid at that point, before he got he injured, was, playing well. he was, was playing the most well. consistent scorer on the team. Yeah. Uh, now, in regards to Caulfield, uh, if he played the same amount of games as uh, the rookie scoring leader, Michael Bunting, uh, and scored at the pace he had under Martin St. Louis, he would have 24 goals and 49 points at this point in time, yeah. if he played that way all season. Yeah. So he would be leading in both categories if he, if he was a rookie. Now, Right now, Caulfield's on pace because he's scoring at a 1.37 point per game pace and a 0.7, sorry, 0.68 goals. Uh, he's on pace right now to have 28 goals and 55 points for the season for his rookie year. I don't know if that's good or not, but that, that's good. Yeah, that's pretty decent, good. Yeah. yeah. And if he played this way the entire season, he'd have 170, 107 goals and 62, 107 <laughs> points, 107 points and 62 goals. So that's not bad. That's, that's okay. Yeah. Mind you. I mean, that's if he kept his pace, which let's yeah. be realistic. No. He, he wouldn't, but uh, 
even if he didn't, even if you cut that down to say half, which is 0.7 something, he's still going to have a six, 60, 70 point season as a rookie. Yeah. Which shows that he's a definite first line talent. Yeah. I think what's definitely. going to be important right now is getting Anderson back to health and get him back on that line because um, we saw we saw some chemistry with Toffoli. Toffoli's no longer here. Then we saw the chemistry develop with uh, with Anderson, and that line was really just lights out for that period of time. Now all of a sudden Anderson's injured, and we've seen a little bit of the rotating door situation going on with the top line, whether it be Armia or Hoffman or whoever else. Right? I thought Armia played really well uh, in Dallas on that line. Yeah, yeah, but it, but it, that's a short term thing. Course, it, it is. Right? But I'm just saying. Uh, the bigger body of Armia, I think, helps. And that's what you need. You need a bigger defensive type body on that line. I don't think that's why I don't think Huffman works. Yeah. But uh, Anderson definitely. Anderson yeah. needs to get healthy, get back on that. He does. And, and with Suzuki as well, he's showing that he, his offense is starting to come in, but he's also leading the league in defensive zone uh, takeaways and defensive zone uh, exits. Block shots. And block, and block shots, shots I think, as well, yeah. for forwards in the NHL. So he's he's doing it at both ends. So yeah. that shows to me he is a definite first line center already, yeah. and he's he's going to ease into next season when he starts that new contract. Already established as a first liner. Yeah. yeah, I remember people saying that contract was ridiculous, and I mean, like I said, the guys on pace to have a seventy point in the season with seventy points, which it's pretty damn good considering the season the Montreal Canadiens are having. Yeah. And not to mention so far, he is the only Montreal Canadian to not miss a game this year. Yeah. The only one that has 30 points. Only one that has 40 points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's so saying say, a lot. You say what you want about his contract and, but you know, so far the we're getting what he's, we're, we're getting the uh, Suzuki that they signed. Guys averaging over 20 minutes a game. And we'll see if that continues going into next season. We obviously don't know who they're going to pursue during free agency. Hopefully it's going to bring a little bit of uh, relief from that top line. So they don't have to be the only line that goes out there and scores because you don't want to have a team like that. No. I think they're going to go hard for Bergeron, which will help Suzuki a lot, but I don't know if it's the right move to make I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd rather, uh, and we talked about this in the episode with uh, with Lyle, I'd rather they get a McBain, get him in there, get some young centermen, see what happens, and then you can worry about the following season, right? Because you got Paling there, Dvorak's going to be there, uh, you bring in McBain, then you got a pre- Evans is there, so yeah. then you have a little bit more depth that you can play with. And if they depending on who they draft in the draft you're gonna exactly. have that guy coming in in a couple of years so could be logan cooley could be shane Wright. Shane right i'm just i'm not sure about mcbain coming in and being like a top six guy right away no, or, I'm a top, nine, or, a, or a top nine guy even right I don't away think he will, i think he'll be in laval if he comes in because be like first year. i've not seen this season so i've seen mcbain play right i've seen i've seen him play as i'm i when he got drafted, he was, he came out of uh, the junior Canadians in Toronto and he was one of those guys. Um, he just, he just kind of put up points. You didn't, you didn't necessarily always see him, 
but his name was on the stat sheet. And I'm looking at a guy right now that's in Boston College, and he's put up. Yes, he's put up 19 goals, but this is college hockey, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, diminish college hockey or anything. He's got 33 points in his senior year, right? His, this is going to be his final year. 33 points and 19 goals in 24 games. Yes, he was at the Olympics. He was hit or miss at the Olympics. But I'm looking at Paling, who just last year put up 25 points in 28 games at the American Hockey League level. Would McBain be the big improvement over Paling? No. Because everyone no. because everyone right now is talking that McBain's going to come in, be a top six guy, a top nine guy, whatever. But you've got you've got Paling who's who can perform at the AHL level. Would we see that same kind of level of production from McBain at the AHL level at that point? Like one's twenty three and one's like Paling's twenty three years old. He just turned twenty three, and uh, McBain just turned twenty two. Now with McBain though, it, he plays with speed. He plays he with pace and, and he would, doesn't necessarily have to play center. Like this year, if he were to be traded for, he would play this year with Montreal. After that, he'd have to earn a spot just he like would. everybody else. He would. Now, and he did that play, doesn't mean, he did, and he does, and he does, or he did play the wing when he was. In and that's what, that's what I was going to get to. He yeah. could play the wing on Paling's wing. And that could be a very good pairing. Two big bodies. Because he is, he is a good two-way two-way player that's right right active stick bigger body he just needs to learn how to use it a little bit more two big guys who play a north-south game who can play a little bit heavier and have a lot of speed that would be a good pairing in my in my opinion it'd be be very interesting to see if he uh if he does go to the canadians we we talked to we talked to lyle and there are other teams that are available draggers brought it up a few times now saying that uh it looks like it's going to be a second round pick that, that what they're asking for he was originally a third round pick, 63rd overall. So a high third round pick um, or a low or a low third round pick, I mean. And um, I think he's, he's, the talent's there, but they can't overpay. No, no, no. Uh, and they're not going to give their second this year because it's basically a first. It's going to be the first pick in the second round. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, maybe a second the following year. I mean, they got plenty of picks. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, but I want to move on to another young player, Corey Schooneman. He scored his first NHL goal in that game against Dallas. It was a nice point shot. And I'm going to be honest, in his call-ups, he has looked yeah. solid. I, I, I don't think that he should have been taken out of the lineup at any time. Exactly. He's, he, he is – the only reason he's been taken out is because of his contract and because of – um, the waiver, waiver the waiver exemption. Yeah. That's the only reason he's been brought out. He's played better than a guy like Clegg. He's obviously played outplayed a guy like Niku, who was Niku's down in the AHL. And he's just he's shown that consistency. And for him to get his first goal, I think that uh, it's going to be a step in the right direction. I I, I think that we're going to see him back next year. He is an RFA, but um, I can see him as a as a depth guy with the team next season. Is he a right or left defenseman? He played both sides, but he's left. Played both sides, yeah. Yeah. Now, with uh, with the way he's been playing, uh, I think that he would provide that depth defenseman that the Canadians are going to need next year that people are hoping that Kulak can be. I think that's why he makes it possible to trade Kulak. They don't need to re-sign Kulak at like $2 a year, 
who is probably going to be looking for a three-year deal, you can keep Schooneman on a, a basically a, an NHL minimum wage one-year deal, and he'll provide you that solid third-pairing play that you're looking for that you would get with Kulak, but for much less. Yeah. Agreed. Although um, Ken Hughes likes Kulak, so that, that's where he you're does. Kinda, he plays uh, the style that he wants the team to play. And just running back to McBain, Hughes's parents are in, or sorry, McBain's parents are in Hughes's country clubs. So by yeah. saying that, I mean he's played against his sons and yep. he knows them quite well. So that's where the interest is. And we all know Hughes likes to get involved with people and players that he knows. So. Yeah. And he has coached him as a, as a youngster as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we'll move on to the overtime. Now, what I really enjoyed about this overtime, even though the Canadians lost the game, what I liked was seeing four forwards on the power play in the overtime. So I think that that shows a a, a clear demarcation between uh, uh, Ducharme and Saint Louis. So I like that. However, the only part of the game that I actually saw, unfortunately, because I was working, was the overtime. And I knew that you were going to bring up the four forwards. I was going to bring up the four forwards. I don't have an issue with the four forwards. I have an issue that they didn't know what to do. Right? Yeah, it's clearly a new idea. Right? You can say, yes, we're going to use four forwards. And, you know, like the, you know, all the lights go off and the, you know, and everything and, and, but if you don't know what to do and you don't know where that other guy's supposed to be, it just seemed that Caulfield and Hoffman just kept getting crossed up. And it was yeah. like, who's, who's making the pass? Who's going to be the shooter? And by the time that they figured out who it was going to be, either the puck was cleared or that chance was gone. Well, I, I found Hoffman was the one that was more confused than Caulfield because Caulfield yes. played the point in yeah. the regular power play a few times where Huffman has not. Yeah. And they're both shooters. So they right. both want to take the shot. Mm-hmm. and uh, I, I truly agree. I think – I don't want to have an issue with four forwards. No, I don't have a problem with it. It's just the, the execution needs to, to be there. I just found Huffman seemed a little bit confused while he was out there. Uh, yeah. And I'm not trying to put all the blame on him, but the other guys kind of knew where they were going and what they were doing. It was Huffman that kind of looked out of place. Mm-hmm. Like he what didn't know quite – he didn't know how to quarterback the power play, and I – think that's kind of what he was out there for and he really didn't know the role that's Um, why that's why i'm thinking to myself i said not against the idea of having four forwards out there put a guy like weidman out there we know Weidman can make that pass over to the he's he does it all the time he does it all like he's he's arguably been a better quarterback power play than petrie has this season hence why he's on the first line yeah so so i i get it but that's the call I would have made. Yeah. So the reason I think that uh, they went with Hoffman on that spot, keep in mind too, Hoffman was playing on his off hand in that power play. So to me, that looked like because Caulfield knows what he's doing on the point. He's played there before the, uh, the two forwards down low know what they're doing. Hoffman was there to be the shooter. So Hoffman's, uh, uncomfortability i guess i don't know he he did not seem comfortable with what he was doing he kept trying to defer to caulfield but caulfield kept putting it back to him because to me that shows he was the shooter he's on his offhand he's set up for the one-timer 
So yeah. you're the shooter. If you're in that, if you're a right-hand shot on the left-hand side up at the point, you have room to step in. You're getting set up for the one-timer. You're the shooter. Yeah. But that's something that they, with all the whistles that happened on that power play, that's something they could have got together and just said, Hey, Hoff, you're the shooter. Yeah. They maybe did. You know what I mean? They maybe, maybe did. Maybe. Yeah. But Hoffman, like you guys said, did seem a little bit uncomfortable there. <laughs> By little, I mean a lot. Who was um, it? Was Suzuki, Caulfield, Hoffman, and Pitlick? Pitlick, yeah. 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 Which looked good. I mean, yeah. except for Hoffman not shooting. Do you know what I think that how that would work better if Druin was uh, back? Because Druin has played the point on a power play. And the, and the, yeah, and the, I think they would put Caulfield so, in the Hoffman position and have Druin where Caulfield Druin. was. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that would work well. Much better, yeah, because then you would know for sure who the shooter is. And this is nothing against Hoffman, but that's what happens no. when you have two shooters on a four-man power play. In a one, um, them, one, one of them can't be a shooter. And an, <laughs> and it's a new idea that they yeah. haven't really practiced a ton yet. Yeah. But at least they're trying. At least they're trying to go for it. Like yeah. he wasn't. Uh, he's not playing on his heels. He's you know St. Louis is pushing guys out there to yeah. go and win. Yeah, but in their defense and yeah. i'll say in any team's defense how often do you get a four on three situation it does not happen uh, very it does not happen the canadians very i think that was the first time in like 20 years or it does not it does not happen very it does not happen very often so all. so I'll, so i'll give them that however it's not the maybe, maple leafs here maybe it's something yeah maybe it's something that they can learn from going forward and say hey do you remember that dallas game where we shit the bed let's not do that again now i uh, on that I'd be interested if they do it in a five-man power play situation during the yeah during a regular like I wouldn't be surprised would not be surprised if he puts five forwards out. Um, but on on the overtime, we're going to get to the the goal, the winning goal by Dallas, and to me, that should not have counted. No, with with uh, with Sagan in the crease. Now he was in the crease but his body wasn't in the way of Allen making any movement. What was in the way was he put his stick into uh, Allen's blocker, causing it so that the puck goes through the blocker. Now that you can argue that he was fighting for the puck, but he clearly interfered with the goalie, whether he meant to or not, it does not matter. The goaltender was interfered with the call on the ice by the referee was goalie interference after the review and he was overruled by Toronto. Now, what the fuck is goalie interference if that's not goalie interference? Because yeah, if we, that was if that was Gallagher, guaranteed that'd be called back. Yeah. So the NHL actually cited Rule sixty nine point seven. I actually have it up on the screen right now. So Rule sixty nine point seven dictates in a rebound situation or where a goaltender and attacking player or players are simultaneously attempting to play a loose puck, whether inside or outside the crease, incidental contact with the goalkeeper will be permitted. And any goal that is scored as a result thereof will be allowed. And again, end quote. (laughs) When this exact situation happens with Gallagher in the crease doing the exact same thing, we're going to see the goal reversed by Toronto, ignoring that exact rule. This is my point. Nobody knows what the shit goaltender interference is. I swear to God, they've got a monkey throwing darts at a board, and if a coin falls from the sky, 
that's the decision. Yeah. So the so, key word, obviously, the key wording for this is is incidental, and they actually and and they and they actually um, they actually went a little bit more in depth, and they talked about incidental contact. I actually have that as up here as well. It says if an attacking player makes other than incidental contact with the goaltender while both are attempting to play a loose puck at the time a goal is scored, the result is a minor or a major penalty, and the goal is disallowed. But we saw the contact. It was clear as day. Alan made the, made the comment as well. How is it, it incidental was, it, when Sagan was behind right? him in yeah. the crease? If it was Gallagher, we know it would have came back. Gallagher's got called for goalie interference just for having his butt in front of the goalie. That's right. Yeah. Barely yeah. touching the goalie. Yeah. I don't even and think the he goalie, touched the goalie. You know, and he the didn't goalie touch had the goalie. five seconds to move. Yeah. And the goalie had five. Yeah, that was uh, Matt That's Murray right. there in Ottawa. That's right. Yeah. Right. So he could have actually reset himself. Yeah. And whatever. And he and he chose not to. Yeah. And the goal is called back. But here and we that have was, that was incidental contact while they were going for a loose puck. Now, and clearly now, you know, and then another question I'm asking is doesn't a goalie need time to set up for the next shot? Because the puck wasn't yeah. in the goalie's pads. It was a shot. The rebound came out to the front of the net. Allen should have been given the time to reset his position to make the save. And he wasn't because that's another rule that they make for that. The goalie needs time to re- reposition for a shot. And you could argue that he didn't have the space to do it because he's got a player in the crease with his stick in his blocker. That's right. So, and, uh, and, and like, if to, if to me, that's goalie interference to me, there's a few times Gallagher was goalie interference. I'll, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. The problem is, is it's so inconsistent oh. that nobody knows what goalie you know, interference no. is anymore. So if, if you're going to call this guy for his bum brushing against the goalie stick, then anything else more than that is goalie interference. Yeah. I'll They're almost going to have to go back to the blue crease in the 90s where you can't be anywhere in the blue crease, which is, to me, too extreme. But I come yeah. from a lacrosse background where that's a thing anyway. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Like the league goes out of its way to use the rules to find a way to make the goal that they want to account count and the ones they don't want to count don't count. Like they, they play games. Yeah. We saw a very questionable goaltender interference the other night during the Boston game. I don't know if you guys saw that with the Charlie Coyle goal. Um, Boston still ended up winning the game, but that could have been pivotal because less than five minutes left, you now get a, uh, delay a game penalty and Chicago went to the power play. That could have been the end of the game right there. And they're a playoff team. Yes. Yeah. Which makes it worse. Yeah. It, and I mean, like, and, and again, like you make a good point. It's not just Montreal. It's yeah. all around the league. Like yeah. there's, there's you can no go back to, you can go back to price being dragged out of his crease by a stick and that not yeah. being goalie interference yeah. and then go to, you know, Gallagher's ass. Gallagher's ass, (laughs) which barely touched the goalie and it's goalie interference. Yeah. So what do you what do you and we've seen some some this year where the the player legitimately went into the goalie and they called it not goalie interference. This happened on several teams this year. Oh, because the the player pushed you in, or and the play the push was five feet away from the goalie. Are you telling me in that five feet he couldn't change direction? Or at least try or at least try, then he's a terrible skater. He shouldn't even be in the NHL. So to me, goalie interference, as soon as I, I don't, to me, if I was a coach, I wouldn't even bother asking for goalie interference. I just, well, that was from, that was from 
because it was overtime that was an automatic look yeah. from uh, hq but that's right to me i would just be like i'm not risking the penalty because it's such a crapshoot i don't see why they can't go to the a little bit of the international way of doing it yeah you can go into the crease you can do whatever you want but if you're in the crease and the goalie can't move at all you know like you're in the crease when the goal goes in the goal's disallowed yeah and then there's no penalty given for goalie interference. It's just that you're kind of interfering incidentally. But if you actually interfere with the goaltender, then you get a penalty on top of that. Like that, that kind of idea. If you can get goalie interference for bumping into a goalie behind the net when he has yeah. the puck. And then, then he you, moved to block you from getting to the puck. Correct. Then you should have goalie interference if you're standing next to the goalie in the crease when he's trying to make a save. Exactly. That that play on Armia was absolute garbage. I know, according to the rules, he tripped him. But when the goalie's out playing the puck, and then he moves his body to block you from getting to the puck, now you're just running into a guy that's playing a pick play. Now, if they were to call it tripping, I probably went, eh, okay. You know what I mean? Sure. 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 A goalie but interference? When they call it goalie interference, I'm like, how can you interfere with a goalie when he's not trying to make a save? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We see every, yeah, we see every now and then a goaltender drop his shoulder or give a player a push or something. No call, no nothing. Right. So Harry Price on Kreider when uh, the puck went well, he deserved the boards. that. He did. Yeah. <laughs> In essence, if you think about it, yeah. technically that was, that was uh fucking uh, interference. Well, look, at Aaron, look at Aaron Dell. Look at Aaron Dell with what he did, right? So, yeah. and that led to well, he did get suspended for it. He hasn't been in the NHL, to believe, I believe, since. But um, that led to a, a major injury to a star player. And it doesn't even matter that it's a star player, but I'll just throw that in there as well. And I'll take it to an absurd. What happens when you're causing incidental contact with a goaltender when you're both playing a loose puck because the puck is about five feet out of the net, 10 feet out of the net, and you're both racing for it? You run into the goalie when you're tracing for that loose puck 10 feet from the net. Do you now get a goalie interference call and a penalty? Because if, if, uh, if Armia can get it behind the net yeah. and the goal can count for incidental. So yeah. now what? What is that? Yeah. I keep going back to the, the uh, was it Lucic? Lucic that, uh, yeah. that, that went into, was it Ryan Miller? Uh, and, yes. And yeah, no call on that play either. And they were just going for a loose puck. Well, uh, technically, Lucic did a little bit more than that. Oh, of course he did. Of course yeah. he did. But but technically, when a goalie's out of the net, it's pretty, usually it's fair not, game. It's fair pretty game. Much, I mean, yeah. like uh, the overtime game uh, with Calgary and Buffalo. Yes. Uh, just the other night, yeah. Just the other night, or just last night, uh, they scored, or Markstrom fudged the, the puck, and, yeah. and they scored. But could Markstrom easily say, well, he interfered with me when he when I had the puck? Sure. His stick hit my pads and he interfered with me when I had the puck. That's, That's why they need clearer rules as to what constitutes an actual interference. Something that is clear cut, like the puck over the glass, the, uh, you know, the high sticking calls, the clear cut, these are automatics. I, I agree with you. I think it's, if you're in the crease when the goal scored, it's no goal. Face off, a, you know, a face off just outside the blue line because you were an infraction on with the game. Yeah, you can now, make if rules pushed, if, if you're guy pushed gets... into the crease. Fine, we'll call it a goal. You were pushed yeah. in, we're calling it a goal. And we'll but give a penalty that, to the other guy. And I don't think you should get a penalty for challenging a goalie interference or challenging something. And the reason I say that is because if you legitimately think that's a penalty, 
right? And especially goalie interference where no one really knows what the actual rule is. How can you give a coach a penalty for saying, hey, that's uh, that's legitimately goalie interference. We've seen that last game and it was called. Oh, we're not calling it this game. You now have a penalty. You find me <laughs> someone who says they know what goalie interference is and I'll point to you a liar. And that's what I'm saying. And so a, a coach isn't put in a tough spot because he's like, well, that's goalie interference to me based on what it should be. But if I say challenge this and I'm wrong because we have no idea what they're going to call, now I'm going to get two-minute penalty and I could go down by two goals. So what's yeah. the point of the challenge? Because you're, you're basically just screwing yourself if, if the league decides you're wrong. Pretty much. Uh, but uh, I think we've exhausted that. We'll move on to the Ottawa game that's going to be played tonight. As we record, it's 11.30 a.m. Saturday morning. We're skipping our morning cartoons to talk about the Habs. And the Canadians are playing the Senators tonight. Uh, as it stands, Lekkanen has not been traded yet. So he is expected to dress and play. Uh, what do we expect to see out of this game against the Senators tonight? Personally, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping for a better effort than their last game when the other team was playing a back-to-back. Arizona, when they, the Arizona game, I didn't think they had very much of an effort on a team that had played the previous night. The Sens just uh, played the Flyers last night. They won 3-1. Um, they're out. They're without Shabbat, who's arguably their best defenseman. However, they do get Victor Mete back in the lineup. So, shit. You know he's probably going to get a hat trick. Um, but uh, I, I'm just hoping for a better effort from from their from their last performance, and for them to come out of the you know come out of the gates and and, and try to you know try to have their foot on the gas in the in the first ten minutes of the game. That's what I'm looking for. And it's going to be interesting to see if we're going to see anybody sit out for precautionary reasons for a potential, for a potential deal. I, uh, I'd like to see the Habs just go up by two or three goals to start instead of going down by one and playing like the last few games and nothing against March St. Louis. They've been in every game, but it's been kind of a, you know, who not like no one's really, no team has really had control of the game or the other team would go up three to one or two, nothing or something like that. Montreal would bounce back. I would just like an easy game where I can sit there and relax through the most of the game and, and watch it. Not, and I'm, I'm saying like when do at least when Ducharme was here, you knew you could change the channel at any moment. So, you know, you can sit, sit there and go, all right, well, we lost this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. This one here, it's like, Oh, I don't know. We're, we might be down for nothing, but this game's not over. Right. Exactly. So, uh, and uh, I would like us to just be up for nothing and go, okay, we're up for nothing. I can, I'm still going to watch because this game's still not over, but I can relax I a little bit. You know I don't have I mean? to chew my nails. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, Ottawa's on a back-to-back. I agree with Matt. That was a poor effort against Arizona after a back-to-back. Well, it was their first game back on a, from a road trip too. So those are usually harder games to play as well. Yeah. So I, I'll give a little bit. It's there, not like they were know. going in to jump against the, you know, they weren't jumping into the lineup against uh, the Panthers or something like no. that. It was the Coyotes. However, Coyotes apparently yeah. have scored 40 goals in the last five games or something like that. And, <laughs> and the hottest team in the NHL, right? Right. Actually. So, and it's not like uh, the team played poorly. It's more that, Montambo did That's right. was a little bit off. Yeah. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. Yeah. 
And that's the yeah. issue with Montembeau, if we want to yeah. get into that. He's not consistent enough to be an NHL goalie. He's just no. not. Well, no. tonight, Allen's going to be uh, getting the start. So we're going to see. As yeah, he should. Exactly. Unless so we're going to see quality. He'll probably start every game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's it, we're going to see a quality NHL start because it's Jake Allen. Yeah. Um, and speaking of goaltending, I'll throw it in really quick. Hughes said that he's not looking to move goaltender at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Because so. he doesn't know what's going on with Price. Yeah. You're not going to trade away goalie if you don't know what the hell's going on. Although Price Hammond's has still out shots hurt. the last three games, so he faced them this morning. Yeah, and he's, back on, yeah and he's back on the ice today. Yeah, He might play a game or two before the end of the season. Might. Maybe. Perhaps. Yeah, I, think, I think it'd be fantastic. So what Hammonds was skating yesterday. So yes, if Hammonds comes back and ready, do you guys think that they stay with Monty or they wave Monty and go with Hammond? Because Hammond's Tough been call. excellent. Hammond was excellent in the three games he played uh, for Montreal. And if a goal, you can measure a goalie on three games because that is the that is the threshold of whether a goalie is going to save your season or not. Three games. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's Toronto's way of doing things. If you have three good games, you are the clear cut number one goaltender in yeah. the NHL. I, I've I've liked Hammond's game as well. I, I, I honestly, I'd like to see him stick around. He wouldn't get as many games as what Montembeau would get, especially with Allen back, in my opinion. But he'd be a guy that could uh, get the start here and there, and he'd give you a good performance. He didn't let bad goals in. That's what's my big no. thing about Hammond. No. Not one of the goals he let in were uh, where you can sit there and go, oh, maybe yeah. one, maybe one in his last game where they scored three. But you, you look at him and go, oh, he should have had that. He's been consistent, though. And Whereas Montembeau. <laughs> yeah. Well, this um, is my this is my thought. If they were to send Montembeau down, he still would have to pass through waivers. There'd be the opportunity, obviously, that a team could get him. At this point in the season, I don't know if a team would claim him, and then it would give Mont. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> it, but it would be Montembeau and uh, Primo down in Laval for a potential uh, for a potential run in uh, for Laval, right? So, and Laval's something, been something looking to really consider. good. Yeah, they and have looked really good. Yeah, shout out to seven seven three last night. Seven four last night. Yeah, shout out to Joel Tisdale, his hat trick, his first hat trick in the AHL. Yeah, which uh, honestly, he definitely deserved that after two years of those massive injuries having oh to deal God, with that. Man. Yeah, you know, and I think now he's at eight goals this season in just uh, 16, 17 games. Something like that. Yeah, the guy's persevered. Yeah. Let's just say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely. He's definitely fighting through it. Yeah. Um, but for the game tonight against Ottawa, I, I agree with Trey. I want to see, I want to see them flying right out of the gate. I'd love to see what uh, what my son's team did last night when my boy was putting in four goals. Is the team just blowing Ottawa out of the water eight to one? Shout out to the Tassa Ducks. Good job. Just saying, you know, I'd be, coach, I'd be happy. I'd be happy with eight one. Planes <laughs> living vicariously through his son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just nice to see the kids having fun. You know, like they're out playing hockey again and they're they're having a good time. Yeah. And seeing my boy not get suspended for knocking people on their ass, he's even better. Nice. I don't know where you Meanwhile, my boy, I have to go and see if I buy skates for a four-day-old. So uh <laughs> yeah. Get him on on the ice. Uh, I expect him to be drafted in 2040. So got to start. I got to start the work now. That's right. I know my daughter's not going to do it, so I'm going to have to do something. 
I'm gonna be that. I'm gonna be that grandpa crying up in the stands at draft day. Oh, why did it have to be Boston? <laughs> You're the next Walter Gretzky. Yeah, I will not be a Bruins fan. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, w- prediction: What do we expect from tonight's game, Treg? Uh, I expect the Habs coming flying. I think they're going, uh, they've been kind of on a bit of a losing. I think they lost two in a, lost two in a row, didn't they? Both in overtime or like, do I get that right? Or a- Arizona and, uh, oh, they just lost two, one in overtime. Uh, and, uh, so I'm expecting, uh, expect them to come out and have a good fast paced game. Uh, I'm going to, uh, three point night for Caulfield and Suzuki. And I think they're going to win. I'll say. Huh? I said hoping for a better effort um, after going on quite a, a tear with St. Louis. Um, the Canadians have kind of got pushed back to reality and they've actually lost four of their last five games um, with one with the one that they won uh, being in overtime against the Flyers. So I'm again hoping for a much better effort. Um, yes, they are picking up points, uh, but they you know lost to Seattle in a shootout. They, they, they won in an overtime. They lost in an overtime. At this point, does the points really matter? Um, so hoping for a better effort, looking for a Canadian's victory. I'm going to say 4-1 with two Caulfield goals. Now, I want to see the Canadians win a game, and this is why. St. Louis sits at eight wins right now as the head coach. This coming. <laughs> he gets his ninth win yeah. in under 20 games. Yeah. He will have blown Ducharme out of the water. Yeah, as as of right now, St. Louis eight six and two, Ducharme eight thirty and seven. Yeah, and and Blaine, you did say that he was going to win nine games. I did the rest of the year. I but said if he 15. wins, I think you were a bit low, and I think I'm a bit high. I think I think he's going to end up somewhere in the middle. I I have no problem if they win more than nine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, they they they're doing a lot better than I expected them to. I didn't think they'd respond. Like every- I think everybody is. I think everybody is yeah. looking at St. Louis and they're looking at this situation, how the players have adapted. The only real, the only real player that hasn't still, you know, taken the bull by the horns is Petrie. I just, I don't agree with that. Right. He has ten points in sixteen games. Defensively, he has. Uh, yeah, yeah. Defensively, yes. yeah. He's still very much struggling there. But when has our, he? I think it's our. That's true. That's I think true. it's Armia that hasn't taken the bull by the horns. He got an opportunity on the first line last game. He didn't play bad, but he didn't really. He didn't shine. He didn't shine. Yeah. I mean, I I say Drouin because he hasn't scored a single point yet under well, under Saint Louis. Drouin isn't worth his money, Blaine. He's not a fifty point score is not worth five million, except every no. other fifty point score in the NHL. Exactly. But but I, but I do agree that the team has just been rejuvenated. And when you look at a team right now that is thirty second for goals for and thirty second for goals against. And they're out there still having a good time and competing in the games. It's it's a it's a push in the right direction. Now I want to make it clear that I was being sarcastic because Joy has not played a single game under <laughs> St. Louis. That's why he doesn't have points. Before yeah. anyone comes after me, I'm yeah, being sarcastic. I'm trying to make a joke. If you want to put exactly. it in the comment section, though, feel free. Yeah, yeah. go for it. <laughs> um, all right. So I think that pretty much does it for our show. Any uh, any final thoughts, Matt? I got nothing. Finished my PLQ though, so I can uh, finally uh, finally relax a little bit. You're officially um, a leader. 
officially a leader. So that's all, that's all done. And, uh, looking forward to now, um, getting some courses done and more than likely deploying again. Good times. Yeah. Treg. I will be a citizen of Ottawa in about three months or less. So, uh, our early games and uh, the <laughs> they, only they, don't, they, they don't make a difference <laughs> and, and the only issue is when i get to ottawa there'll be no more hockey because neither team will be in the playoffs so uh we'll have to wait till uh, october i guess but uh yeah so i'll be uh i'll be in ottawa by mid-june or earlier well you'll still have games to go to in laval yeah and you'll be closer to montreal for the draft that's right that's right. Yeah. We'll crash on your couch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if it's I'm unboxed. Only, I'm only if two hours unboxed. away. So. Yeah. Oh no. It's my place is all furnished. So I just don't know who else has slept on that couch. So uh, <laughs> good luck for you. <laughs> ah, I'm a sailor. <laughs> True. <laughs> <Done worse. laughs> True. <laughs> it's not a ditch. So, you know, it's a step up. Uh, all right. So I think that pretty much does it. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, this weekend, we put out a couple of sh- uh, episodes. It's been, a, it's going to be a busy weekend. Um, I, I want to thank everyone for interacting with us, sending us questions, we're, which we're going to get to uh, probably in our next episode, just that everything going on with the, uh, with the uh, trade deadline, we, we just couldn't get to it. Uh, so again, thank you very much for listening, interacting with us. We appreciate it. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Do you or someone you love obsess over the Habs and they aren't even a fan of the team? Is your social media filled with old jokes and pathetic attempts at trolling? Then you have HOD, Habs Obsessive Disorder. From the makers of Bergy Arms comes 3 to 1. 3 to 1 is specially formulated to cause a temporary choking sensation, which will remind you that your team hasn't won a playoff series since the invention of HD television. Side effects may include a desire to shave your head and grow a goatee, a lack of fashion sense, an uncontrollable urge to say, but Tavares was hurt, pretending every head coach this century doesn't call your team soft, an uncontrollable urge to choke in the playoffs, and a realization that your ability to have an inferiority complex while simultaneously being obnoxious while never winning is why you're found undesirable. Ask your doctor if three to one is right for you. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do 
did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.